Welcome to the Change the World a Little podcast. Conversations that make a difference. All right. Welcome to today's episode of the Change the World a Little podcast. I'm here today with someone I'm really, really excited to introduce to you all, Marina Kolaric. She is a therapist and mindfulness-based addiction recovery coach. Um, but actually, you would have seen her around already because she has been a model for Ananda sold twice in the last two campaigns, which has been such an honor and so much fun. And so since you're familiar with her face already, I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to introduce her to all of you and also the amazing things that she does in the world. So welcome, Marina. Thank you so much, Christina. Pleasure to have you here. And I'd love to know... Um, kind of just check in with you how things currently are in your world like we've just all been through a crazy year and so what what excites you today what um yeah what what's your what's your world like right now you are here in bali yes yes i um it's funny because it changes literally moment to moment sometimes day to day but lately even moment to moment um, i arrived to bali almost exactly a year ago december 13 last year and um, my plan was to move here and work here and uh, i'm still living here and <laughs> working here different capacity and in different circumstances but um, that was something i've um, i've um, envisioned and i guess um, it is going along what i had in mind Obviously, life in Bali, you have been here longer, much longer than me. So you know that there are always certain en energies that either highlight what we're feeling or, <clears throat> well, usually highlight. So these days, it's really just just flowing with whatever happens here. And um, I would lie if I would say it's constantly, you know, um, ease and joy. It, it isn't. Sometimes it's feeling of stuckness and heaviness and like almost like feeling of a too much grounding where you need a little bit to you know move and flow and then other times it's just so easy and simple and um today just this very moment i'm feeling very very comfortable and relaxed and i'm really grateful to be here um the latest couple of days were challenge but you know i think what i know so far is that things pass this shall pass i completely i, I feel it there's mm -hmm. no need of fighting it, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if there's one thing this year, right, that um, <clears throat> we're all sitting with or fighting with or surrendering to is that um, taking it moment by moment with, as you said, like, you know, checking in almost by the hour, how, how are things doing? And mm -hmm. I've noticed that too, when people are like, how are you doing? I'm like, mm -hmm. It really depends, like, <laughs> what time of the day you ask me. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, the ultimate 2020 experience. Um, you mentioned that it was a deliberate move for you to come to Bali. Can you share a little bit more of, of how that happened and um, 
and what what was going on in your life in the lead up to that mm. um, <laughs> it's so funny most of the times in my life um, things become somewhat um, chaotic and I am very good at making decisions in those times <laughs> so um, for some people uh, I think for some that I know, definitely, uh, my, my, my idea of living and being is, or can be, rather reckless sometimes. Uh, for me, it's, it's me. I think it's who I am. I don't labelize it as reckless, it's just really who I am. And um, similarly, this, this move to Bali was, um, you know, I spent a year in Thailand, uh, mid-2018 until mid-2019. And after Thailand, I, w I needed a break, so I took a short break visiting my parents and my friends in Serbia, where I'm originally from. And it was supposed to be a very brief uh, visit. Um, my partner at the time was uh, also from Europe. And um, we would kind of fill it out and go back to Thailand, where I was working as a counselor therapist at the Mindfulness Recovery Center in North Thailand. Um, well, like usually, um, None of that happened. My relationship was over. Um, my, 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 my feeling of going back to Thailand at that time just kind of dissipated. It just wasn't there. The excitement wasn't there, although I had a most beautiful experience there. I just didn't, wasn't feeling it, how we say it. And um, I, I decided to stay put in Serbia for several months for the first time in the last 14 years and try out maybe to work there, to organize certain events and workshops and courses and programs. And honestly, I lasted, well, what was it? July, or September, five months, yeah. five months. And um, I, that, that, that maybe you will have in your questions, but that story on its own, my relationship to where I'm from, mm -hmm. to my country, very turbulent one, mm -hmm. very difficult, very ambiguous. And um, I, I just, I just knew I had to leave. I just didn't feel I was offering support to other people, but I didn't feel like I had my support that I needed. And that's, that, that's not cool. I mean, no matter what you do, particularly if you're a therapist. So my thoughts went straight to Thailand, but then Bali came across. And again, I've never visited. I've heard stories most from people that, you know. Ubudian style people that it's like yeah it's kind of a flow it's beautiful it's island it's you know all good all nice all fun uh, that's all the stories that I've heard but um, I didn't go because of that reason I I just felt that really that might be the next the next place to go it was a feeling so I um, I was trying to find a job and I actually found a job as a therapist uh, in a rehab here in Bali in Changu and that's how I arrived I had a job when I came, which was first a trial job, and then it was supposed to become a permanent one. And um, it was, it was, it was just, it was just it. And as usual, you know, okay, so we have this thing. Let's see what develops from that. That's not the final thing that will probably happen, but it's just the beginning, right? Pack up the bags, and and I actually enjoyed leaving Serbia because. I had a closure a little bit there, and then I went to U.S. actually, to New York City and Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, I've lived for many years to visit my friends, and I had a Thanksgiving there last year, and then I, and then I left, and I landed here. 
Mm. Very inspiring to hear um, um, f- from the sound of it. Like, it sounds like when you make decisions, you do have a pretty strong connection with like your your gut or your intuition <laughs> or what that is, which um, just for everybody to, to understand a little bit, Marina and I actually originally met um, in a program called Compassionate Inquiry with Gabor Mate, and he speaks a lot about the gut feeling and um, how that is basically um, present for all of us somewhere to protect us, to guide us, um, and some people have a, a closer relationship to it and, and some struggle a little bit and don't trust it. So that's super beautiful to hear how you're, um, yeah, it sounds like just, just trusting that. And I, I can relate in terms of, I wouldn't call it reckless. I agree with you because um, from the outside, it could look really scary because they're drastic changes, right? They're, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had similar changes like cross-continent when mm-hmm. I was, 1920 right Mm -hmm. i moved from germany to hawaii and people are like oh my god you're so courageous and and you know like in in a way like those kind of moves could be considered um like reckless but it it was just there was a knowing in me so i love when i meet people that are like (laughs) it might sound crazy but this is what i have to do and i'm just gonna roll with it um super beautiful I want to feel into a little bit more of your work in particular. I'm just curious, like in the light of what just happened this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you you work specifically in recovery. Um, and I was just wondering, first of all, if if you've noticed any changes in your work in terms of the themes, in terms of the severity, the, the, the worries that people have. And in the second um as part of this question as well as you know like we've heard the statistics in the world like in general mental health issues addiction suicide everything has gone up this year and so my my second part of the question would be um a little bit of of um guidance for people who are listening um in terms of practices and we'll go into that in more detail later Mm -hmm. but i i just feel it's such an important topic always but in particular this year of of just creating platforms of support creating um you know suggestions for practices for for almost destigmatizing it more and more and more mm-hmm. that it's okay to reach out for help mm-hmm. and so let, let's start with just if you've noticed any any changes this year um in terms of your work um <coughs> Interestingly, I, I do, I do say that I specialize in recovery. It's it's really because it is part of my personal life, the recovery from addiction. It is my passion, and it, it is this this huge understanding and connection that I feel to people who identify with being addicts of any kind, really. Um, but what's happening actually is that I never had only those clients. I would I would simply attract different people and and different struggles and different issues. So it was never never really specialized. And to 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 that also during this year, um, even more so obviously, mm-hmm. because there is something that um, 
things that mostly come up for a majority of people these days is uh, anxiety, um, de definitely anxiety, um, definitely bouncing between anxiety and depression, right? Like like high mm -hmm. intense stress feelings and then low feelings. And this happens, obviously, many people lost their jobs. Many people ended up uh, either getting sick or having somebody who is close to them getting sick or losing somebody, right, in this situation. Um, many things are not going according to the plan. Mm -hmm. And that's actually very interesting to me because... For people who are practicing mindfulness, yoga, um, any levels of spirituality or, or any kind of following, any kind of religious philosophy or any kind of other philosophy, they, or kind of we, because I, I put myself in that group, you know, all that I've been listening for the past, let's say, decade, really, really listening, is that everything is impermanent. And just because you've been having this job for 10 years and you receive paycheck once a month does not mean that it's always going to be like that. It will stop one way or the other. Now, that doesn't mean to drop everything and you say, well, screw it, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters, really, because I'll die or I'll lose a job. No, but you don't attach to it because in some way you already lost it. You know it's going to be gone and you know some change will happen, right? And... For me personally, it seems like all the teachings and all the retreats and all the courses and all the practices and all the yogas and meditations and Buddhisms I've done in my life were telling me that and I was intellectually knowing it and then it hit this year and now we're feeling it, really feeling it. Mm -hmm. So if we grew up not really feeling this so much, maybe we didn't have many losses, maybe our career really went where we wanted it, maybe we had exactly the relationship we wanted, didn't have a lot of pain, discomfort, struggle, uh, the sense of not knowing what's going on with me, well, this year, for sure, we all did, right? Mm -hmm. And what I'm seeing is that many people are not prepared for that. Many people either were not exposed to those teachings or maybe they didn't really listen to them. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult because that's the, that's the main fear. Mm -hmm. That's the anxiety. Oh, my God, what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Additionally, I'm coming from Serbia. It used to be five different countries in the past, and I was born in Yugoslavia originally. If I know something, that is that change is happening all the time. Mm -hmm. All people from my country, you know. Not much planning, not much security, not much safety. Mm -hmm. So I think that certain people might be more prepared for this than mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. And me and you see that in Balinese culture, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, and in, in Asia, I think in general, we can see that more than in Western countries. Yeah. So that's what's happening. More people are coming in with, with a... With a, with a really, really high levels of anxiety and then depression as to what am I doing with my life and what am I going to be doing mm -hmm. or I lost somebody and I can't actually go through grief. Obviously, addiction, as you mentioned, we follow Dr. Gabor Mate, you know, uh, uh, addiction in many, many countries, including the one I'm from, addiction, stigma, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that means alcohol or heroin, not really much of everything else. That's not what we what we studied, and that's not what we believe, right? That there is a idea that addiction is a complex process that can actually show up in many different behaviors, 
no matter what they are, substances, yes, sex, shopping, gambling, overworking, overexercising, social networks, mm -hmm. social media, mm -hmm. right? Where you crave it, it gives you certain relief or certain a certain joy or excitement, and you know the consequences and you can't stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you know the negative consequences and still you, you right. choose to do it. Right. When, when, when there's the, the craving that arises. Yeah, super powerful, um, especially in that sense of the, the impermanence that is such a, in a way, it's such an abstract concept, right, that we understand from these philosophies. Um, and if we look at this year and truly start um, reflecting on, on the values that in a lot of societies that we're from, I mean, I consider us both a bit of a mix. Like mm -hmm. I was born in Germany, but I lived in the U.S. for a long time. And and so, you know, the, almost the suffering that um, these societies set themselves up for because of the values that we had, like one, the, the severe level of um, individualism and thinking like I can do it all on my own and the, the level of competition and, and what is considered success, right? To, yeah. to be the, the star, the shining bright being, that's the people that the society worships the most, right? The ones that have the most money, um, the most success in terms of business and the ones that are the shining stars, um, you know, in, in the, um, entertainment industry. So once we, we look at that of like, all of that coming to a halt of course we crumble because that is the definition of our of our worth and of our the sense of of, of why we live and um i love that you bring up the balinese culture because in a way they're very um old school and their entire lives are based on community and it's been incredible to witness how they have been cruising through this year. I know there's fear, I know there's suffering, I'm not um, like dismissing that and because I work very closely with Balinese people every day and I'm very, very sensitive towards other people's nervous system and states and that anxiety that you're speaking about is hardly present and there there's just there's a trust in their systems where somehow they know they get through it and when it all started and I you know I was having team meetings and we were like oh we need to make all these changes and um if you have of our team members and my managers in particular like, oh, we've been through this before. And I was like, hmm, this is different, guys. Like, this is not the volcano. And they just shrugged at me like, no, we've been through this before. And now looking back like one year later, they generally are treating it as something of like, we've we've been through financial insecurity before. We've we've handled it together you know if, if somebody struggles we make sure they still have food to eat and we share like the level of sharing that mm -hmm. exists here mm -hmm. blows my my mind my heart everything I've, mm -hmm. I've learned so much from that and so that's really powerful to hear of um and you know a lot of us have been you know since since March or whenever all, all this began, I've been saying, I know there's something good in this. And, you know, there's been waves of like, I just don't know what it is. And, and looking back at this year, I feel that one thing that that kind of starts transpiring here is like this awareness of 
what truly matters, you know, community, us taking care of each other, us slowing down to be able to take mm -hmm. care of the planet. Um, so that's really powerful in the light of, you know, the ones that are that are reaching out for help. Mm -hmm. That that's the symptoms and and there's capacity also. What I'm what I'm what I'm really um, mesmerized by is this capacity of human being of a human system of the organism to simply adapt mm -hmm. isn't that isn't yeah. that unbelievable if you if you go back to your own thoughts in march when this started or february mm -hmm. or whenever you know maybe some of them i know mine were oh my god you know what is this going to be like mm -hmm. i might lose everything i might lose job i might get sick what is going to happen then you know all of these thoughts surely a lot of things happen to all of us the thing is we're still here many of us we're mm -hmm. still here you know and it's not it's not uh it's not letting go in a sense of quitting it's actually accepting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to me that's what acceptance is because mm -hmm. people often um often take acceptance as something like yeah i quit i just take things what they are and I don't try hard no but you don't fight hard through something mm -hmm. that's just simply not happening right it's almost like a softening you know, like yeah. finding some form of trust again in yeah. in the chaos like it really stood out mm -hmm. to me when you mentioned Serbia and you know I grew up in Germany so it, it was in the news a lot and um, and you know these these traumatic events but then at the same time a, a lesson of like I I can control the external. Mm -hmm. So what what do I have access to? Yeah. Um, I'd love you mentioned your personal story, and I'll leave it up to you how comfortable you feel going into it. But I I'm curious of um, where that passion for being a recovery therapist and coach came from, and if you mm, yeah to that. yeah no problems I. Uh, Part of why I do what I do is is to to be out there, very visible to others, you know, so that that people can recognize, maybe maybe connect, and maybe feel like you know um, that they have help, you know. So I I definitely openly share my story. That's not a problem. But um, you know, I, I was born in Yugoslavia, right at the time it was still Yugoslavia, and um, the thing is with the with my growing up not to go into too many details but i'll just say one important thing is that when i was uh, young 11 12 13 14 um, like early early teenager there were absolutely no laws around drinking smoking going out uh, none of that none of that existed at all so like when you're seven and eight in yugoslavia or serbia you could go and buy your mom's cigarettes and they mm. probably won't ask you who you're buying it for Wow. So there was absolutely no regulation. And so country and my culture is known to be, you know, to, to find a reason to get together. And either that being something that is celebratory or either that being something that is, you know, we're grieving together, you know. Um, so many little holidays, so many religious holidays, so many weddings, so many funerals, so many of everything. And uh, what people do in those situations is they drink. Literally, culturally, they drink. I, until I s stopped and actually started my recovery, I did not know people who don't drink. I did not know anyone mm -hmm. in my surrounding. Obviously, we surround with people that right. work for our own lifestyle. But I'm just saying, I did not know. 
anyone. And so what started very early for me, I think that I that I uh, started drinking, not regularly, but I can say started, I was like 11 or 12 maybe. Um, and uh, it was not, it was not, not normal. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like now, when I say to people they're from different cultures, sometimes they can be like, what is that? It was not abnormal with people that I was surrounded with. At the age of 14, I was going out. So, you know, maybe at 11, I didn't. I was drinking at home, you know, girlfriends' houses, guys' houses, you know, friends. And then very soon, at 14, I was able to go to a club, you know. At 15 or 16, I was definitely working. Along from going to high school, I was working in Mm -hmm. bars. I was working in that surrounding. And by 16, I was already just drinking regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, So the thing is, is that I haven't got sober until 35. So most of my life, I actually was drinking, right? Um, For me, um, drugs came, I think, somewhere in my 20s, beginning of 20s, 22, 23. And uh, they were not the main problem, but they mostly went with alcohol most Mm -hmm. of the time. And, you know, I moved from Serbia at the age of 27. And now that I think about that time, let's say from 20 to 27, you know, it was, uh, it was mostly weekend uh, binge drinking and binge using. Um, but I also recall that just our attitude towards it, mm-hmm. it was nothing abnormal about it. It was absolutely okay to be blacked out. It was absolutely okay to sit and drive completely obliterated, to have responsibility of five people in a car. I was pulled over by, 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 by cops many, many times. I, I, was, I was complete, that was reckless. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely mm-hmm. reckless. And I was not in touch with myself. At that time, I thought that that was uh, just having fun, that that is something that all people do, right? Mm-hmm. And the biggest problem, the biggest issue with me was that I was very highly functioning, at least on the outside, mm-hmm. with everything else. I studied, I finished university, I worked, I finished s- several couple of uh, several courses and certifications along my studies. I was I was interested in things I do. I studied languages. I I traveled. You know, it, it there was nothing dysfunctional, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yeah. My relationships fully dysfunctional, particularly intimate ones, and my contact with myself, mm-hmm. self-knowing did not exist. Mm-hmm. did not exist at all. So that, that, that's that part. From 27, I moved to the States. And my first two years of 27 to 29, I lived in Hawaii and I studied my, my graduate degree. Now, I studied graduate degree. You studied in America. Mm-hmm. You know what that is. It's, it's really busy. Mm-hmm. And I studied a parallel um, conflict resolution program parallel mm-hmm. with my master's in communication. So a lot of work. Well, one legal job, one illegal job, the illegal one at the bar. Where right. I'm basically getting paid to drink with people, right? Right, and then in order to stay up, using drugs and stimulants, right, to be able to study and everything. What do I do? I probably can't. Re- I can't remember half of that time mm-hmm. at all, and I finish three point nine mm-hmm. out of four. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Again, confirmation. You're functional. You can do this. Nothing's really wrong with you. How many people we know between me and you? who still operate like that in their 30s, 40s. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right? that was, you know, obviously I have a very different story, but um, there definitely have been sections of my life that are very, very similar. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. 
that, so that, that numbing component is really interesting too, like for you mentioning the, the, the yes. connection with yourself. So what was the tipping point? So I moved several more times and I ended up in, uh, in L.A., I ended up in LA and I remember the whole 2013 and half of 2014 for me was something that looks like a looks like a really glamorous job and you know office in Beverly Hills and apartment in West Hollywood and you know a job in the entertainment kind of fitness entertainment industry everything paid for constantly you know constantly parties and constantly you know trips around the country and everywhere everything paid for mm -hmm. and and what do I do I actually I catch myself I catch myself being most of the time drunk most of the time during the week not even weekends with my boss with people that I work with with meetings and business lunches you know and every single day I would come home some days it would be like okay let's continue and party and go out most of the days I was alone I was feeling miserable I would act out on the on the eating uh, emotional eating practices also with that and I and I was, I was desperate I was just ab empty lonely sad you know when I stay with myself and I could not be with myself that's mm -hmm. one of my first reasons why I started drinking because I did not like myself that much to actually sit with me so the whole year and a half it was full of that some of it fun but at that point it already stopped being fun at that point it was just it was just like you know, rolling through it and, and repeating things that seemed fun. But, you know, then I started being messy in work, you know, hanging out with people that I work with, you know, um, getting together intimately with business partners, like stuff that it's just, you know, mm -hmm. like really, really becoming, yeah. becoming yeah. sloppy and, and becoming, spiral, huh? yeah, mm -hmm. disrespectful to yourself and mm -hmm. to everybody else. And that was it for me. I, um, I told my boss, um, I was supposed to go to Serbia for a month, 2014, and I was aware that I have to stop, but I also knew that I won't do that in Serbia. And I gave mm -hmm. myself that month to just not think about it. I mm -hmm. went to Serbia to visit, and of course, I could not not drink. I came back, and I remember I landed September 4 to LA, for 2014, and September 5, I was in an AA meeting. Mm. That gives me chills. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that immediacy. Huh? That, it was, but you see, that's that another part of me. Right We're doing this. Yeah. Like yeah. There, there is a like level of responsibility some, there mm -hmm. that's like, you're going to do this. Yeah. Now, I had one break. I had one, I don't call it relapse. I just say it's break because I really completely fully decided to stop and test it. And um, it was a short, several, couple of months maybe. So now, uh, now it's been almost uh, four years. In April, it's going to be mm. four years. Amazing. Yeah. Um, you, you brought up a few things that uh, just made me think of... Um, I, I've, I've been feeling a lot for people, especially in big cities, that are really, really have been restricted this year. We're just going into a second week of a uh, second wave of lockdown in many countries. And I've really been feeling for people that for one, have a history of addiction, don't have access to AA at the moment. But then also the other group, because you were saying, you know, I felt really lonely, I felt really isolated. I had a hard time being with myself. And as we just mentioned earlier, you know, with, with a lot of our external um, things that are giving us a sense of self-worth, with them crumbling, um, you know, that, that feeling of, of not loving oneself that much is I think is quite alive in a lot of people right now and is there 
anything any any advice any hmm, just um feelings that we can send to people who are currently feeling that way who one are considering you know to to go back to the tools that are giving them relief mm -hmm. and the other ones that are just struggling with that sense of isolation at the moment and they're just being so many tools are taken away from us right now mm -hmm. um, yeah you're absolutely right you know i i I believe that uh, one of the most important things in uh, for all of us, but particularly for people who struggle with addiction, is uh, is a support system. Not only support system that you're getting from your recovery program, but what support system in your life you have. Mm -hmm. And this might be a good time to actually revisit that for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. If if I don't have a good support system, why is that? Yes, it could be taken away from me, but it could be also that I am hanging on to some old. Uh, relationships and old friendships and and old um, systems that just that are not nurturing for me, you know. And and this time might be actually, if we haven't done it so far, maybe this is the time of decluttering everything, even the friendships that and relationships that don't serve us, right? Mm -hmm. um, so support system and surrounding yourself with people that. Um, you feel comfortable with that you have that you feel supported with that you can be yourself with and that mostly you can you can receive understanding and compassion from right and all of us can find somewhere that person or those people right for people that are in a, a addiction recovery uh, there are many, many, many things online. And I know most of us, me including, can say, well, it's not the same, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're sitting in front of a computer all day and you don't can't really touch people, see people. Hey, if that's all we can do right now, mm -hmm. I really don't think that the good excuse is like, yeah, but, you know, it's online. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing that we have. And we do have plenty. All 12-step recovery meetings are happening online and it's mm -hmm. just enough to Google and find them. Reco refuge recovery is happening online. Meetings that I facilitate that are related to mindfulness and Buddhism and recovery that are called eight-step recovery meetings, they're happening also. Less than 12 steps, but they're happening. It's all online. And most of us who work online try to figure out how we can manage as many as possible time zones so that mm -hmm. many people can actually okay. fit that, right? I know that in Bali, if I work in the morning, that's the evening previous day in the U.S., if I work in the afternoon, that's morning Europe. So I, I pay attention to everything that I offer can somehow be there helpful for people from as many possible time zones. So we do have that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I also have to say, and this is not, a, for many people I hear, you know, that's like spiritual bypass. It really isn't. If times are like this, and, and they are. We cannot avoid this, right? You can't, as much as you hate it and you can struggle it, you, you can't get out of this. What is it that it's showing me that I haven't been doing before? And for most of us, it's actually, like you mentioned, getting a little bit more quiet, staying a little bit more in, you know, I'm not traveling, I'm not constantly distracted by so many things. Because bottom line, not that we shouldn't be enjoying life, but all of those are distractions. And I'll tell you, like, the, the most ridiculous example. If my schedule in the day is completely full, we in West call that busyness. In Buddhism, that's called laziness. Because you're lazy to actually stop, really live what is present right now, and look inside. 
even if it's uncomfortable. That's why you're lazy. Hmm. And I'm first one to be blamed for that because my thing is, you know, I'm busy, got to make money, got to make a living. Maybe there's a belief that if I'm not busy, I'm not really worthy enough and I'm kind of slacking. But how much is enough? Hmm. What a powerful, powerful way of flipping that story, you know, after all these years of comparing, like, how little hours we slept and how late we were, like, in the office or on the computer or whatever it is. And, um, oh, wow. I've never heard of that, that Buddhist concept of yeah. laziness. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It's actually because you're not paying attention to you and your life, really. Mm -hmm. If there are no blank spots in your calendar... You're not allowing life to just happen because mm -hmm. everything is pre-planned. And that, again, I don't mean don't plan. I'm a big planner. I, I need my calendar. I work with people. I need time when I do that. But then I need time to really not be planning anything. And what happens to me when I start more practicing that, I run into people that I love that I don't see for a long time. And just without a plan, there we are having lunch. You know, simple thing, mm -hmm. simple thing. Yeah, it's like the magic has room, like to yes. to, to play, yes. like bring the synchronicity, synchronicity through. Yeah. Um, it, I understand it's a, it's a Buddhist concept, but it really like makes me feel the um, the <laughs> Balinese culture as well. Like yes. you know, having started a business here and having gone through all the waves of pushing through it and um you know creating timelines in terms of production or whatever it was and and it's it's um i was always met with sweet smiles but they were almost compassionate it was almost like oh bless you for for thinking you have to push so hard you know it's yeah. like sure they nodded and they they went along never joining me in any like stress um, response but just in like all right let's do this and they they kind of cruised through it but there was always that that loving look in their eyes of like oh why are you pushing yourself so hard and um and you're completely like flipping the story of like in in other countries like oh yeah like you're an entrepreneur and you're you're like really going for it and and that would be um very like looked up upon values and and it's I mean, we've spoken about this before, how powerful it is to be surrounded by cultures that, that live based, off, based on those values. But then also I find, you know, if we, I do truly feel that this could be a tipping point for, for those values to penetrate other mm -hmm. cultures mm -hmm. as well. It's like a, a true waking up of like, wait a second, this hasn't been working. And, um, yeah, that is like, we have no idea what's going to happen, you know, in this coming yeah. year. And let's <coughs> obviously pray that, um, you know. Absolutely. And <coughs> I know what you said, you know, we live here and we're blessed to, you can turn your head around, you know, from it. But it's just in front of you, the way mm -hmm. that they live. Mm -hmm. But what I notice is that, okay, if they, through their culture and through their religion, find the ways that work for them to be connected. And what I mean, in their eyes, they're connected to the God. In your eyes, if that's not your cup of tea, you can be connected to anything. Mm -hmm. What is connected to the universe? What is the connected to the highest, the most balanced, beautiful version of you? Connected to your teachers, connected to your support system, to your community. However you see that. But that's what I see, what I mostly don't see in the West. They are connected. Mm -hmm. in whatever way that's possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that no matter where we live, we can find 
how to get connected. Absolutely. I mean, I I have read a while ago, you know, the the, um, epidemic of loneliness, which is in particular, like particularly strong in big cities. So that just Mm -hmm. shows you like the places with the most condensed population where there's people all around you that Mm -hmm. could alleviate that very thing that's where it is the highest so it's right in front of our eyes like we literally could just you know knock on our neighbor's door who we might never have spoken to and we're lonely it makes me think of you know like there there have been so many waves this year but it makes me think of i believe it was in italy right when when people would come out on their balconies and Mm -hmm. play music just Mm -hmm. in the beginning of Mm -hmm. the pandemic of of just a shift happening of like we're living in these little apartments and and to just open our eyes and be like there is a human being right next to me and sure they might be annoying sometimes and all that which is something that i find um you know fascinating especially this year but like you know looking at the balinese as well of like they're when you're in a way stuck with and I'm, i'm saying that lightly in quotation marks but if you if you stay in the same village or you you move in you know these old school ways that we've grown out of right where like we leave our houses you know when we go to college and then we likely never come back and what mm-hmm. do you still live with your parents kind of thing um and and here in a way it's old school they they stay living at home until they get married and for the for the men the wives move in to mm-hmm. the compound and for the women they move into the husband's compound sure all kinds of things that, that could be looked at here but it's that um it's almost with that stuckness comes the community comes yeah. the working through things comes the sure there's things that i don't love about this person am i going to completely run away from them move to a different country whatever your version is no because this is this is my life and so um i find that a really interesting thing this year of like this is in a way it comes back to this there's nothing we can change about this right now so like this is what i've been handed this life Mm -hmm. and um how am i gonna like make the best out of it and i think what also that gives you it gives you really 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 feeling that I'm not the only one going through this. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And whereas in the West, we have, I think, ability to actually avoid that. Mm-hmm. We, 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 it's much easier to pick your circles and it's much easier to pick people that actually are kind of really a lot similar to you. So you don't really have to look outside. Mm-hmm. You don't have to look outside of that bubble. And when you're in a community like this, you know, simpler life, and we live in villages. None of us lives in a city unless mm-hmm. you're in Denpasar, which, you know, even for our <laughs> idea is not a city, but okay. Um, they're, they're so together, like one. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as, uh, you know, oh, you're suffering and you're in pain, you know, or this is my suffering and my pain. It just is. Mm-hmm. It's communal, mm-hmm. you know. There is suffering out there mm-hmm. and we all feel it, right? right? And then there's a beauty and the connection yeah. and everything right. else. I love that as an inspiration also like in terms of your advice for, for people who are struggling of like, where is my community? You mm-hmm. know, who who mm-hmm. are people that I also can reach out to again, you know, that I might yeah. have lost connection with, mm-hmm. but maybe just because you grew apart and like who who are who are my people and, mm-hmm. and, and where are they and what are they going through right now and truly checking in with the means that we have and if that is a, a video call for now then then yeah. so be it but 
you know, you're doing a lot of your your therapy through um, through video, and I know as part of these trainings, you know, I'm I'm in therapy as well. And the se- I've had some incredibly powerful sessions, so it it is quite magical of what can happen. Sure, it's not the same. There's not the other person right in front of me, but there's really so much we can do. I do really love that. Um, in terms of your own practices, because you have mentioned you're in recovery for four years plus. Um, is there anything that you do on a on a daily basis, on a regular basis? Do you have any any practices that um, you feel hmm. happy to share? I um, I um, yes, I have to. I have to have a part of the day that is dedicated to me. And for me personally, once I uh, started recovery, I actually was introduced to Ayurveda, and I'm also a Ayurvedic practitioner. But that's something that. Um, is not upfront, um, so I started living Ayurvedic way of life, and that's probably now seven years ago, six seven years ago, and um, with that I completely changed the way how my day works, particularly with the times that I go to bed and when I wake up. Mm. Times when I eat, that depends really where I am and what what I decide to practice. I, that shifts, but. I go to sleep no later than 10 o'clock and I get up at 5.30. Mm-hmm. And that's been years now. Mm. And um, I never considered myself a morning person. I could not stand mornings. I was completely not functional in the morning. And I remember speaking to my mom a long time ago, how do you do it, mom? And she said, wait, you know, maybe when you get older and something happens, you'll see. Mornings are just precious. And I'm telling you, did not regret it once. I have moments when I break it, obviously, but not many. In the last six years, I don't even think that it's 5% or 4% that I actually broke those routines, even when I travel. And that helps me actually fight the jet lag to just be on that ritual. So I do get up at 5.30. And if, you know, depending on the day, if I can have two hours for myself, great. If I can have three, even better. And that's, that's kind of where... Meditation goes goes in. For me personally, if meditation doesn't go in the morning, uh, it won't happen. Mm-hmm. It, I'm I'm just not the kind of person that's going to mm-hmm. sit in the middle of the day. I might do some other reflective practices and calm down and ground and do the uh, the uh, you know breathing space and connection. But meditation, formal meditation, no, it's not going to happen. So it has to happen in the morning. Um, I've uh, I've um, practiced yoga since I was 18, and I finished. Uh, I'm a certified yoga teacher. I don't teach, but it helps my process and my mm-hmm. my own practice. So I always have some aspect of yoga. I've been through so many classes and trainings. I I I've decided to mix and match. Sometimes it's Ashtanga yoga that it's really powerful. These days, being so humid here, I don't have strength for that. Mm-hmm. So it's more hatha yoga, just staying in poses longer, having something more kind of, you know, not not vinyasa and like a like a very um, fast flow, but rather kind of static poses. Uh, and then I practice uh, lately more and more pranayama, which is breathing exercises. Whatever works for you, you know. And if mm-hmm. yoga is not your thing, it's a pranayama is not your thing. Wim Hof, I know many people who actually practice Wim Hof method. And what I noticed on his website, you can even get three short videos that explain the breathing and the cold showers mm-hmm. for free mm-hmm. really nicely. So some people do that mm-hmm. and that actually energizes them. I find that my mind, my whole life has been very busy from the moment I wake up. 
and I need for mind slowing down practices and for the body it needs to move because it has a tendency to become sedentary and, and just kind of sluggish if not mm -hmm. so mostly and then if I'm gonna read something that is uh, that's not gonna be time for like a novel or something it's gonna be more anything that is related to yoga meditation um, poetry you know Sufis uh, maybe Buddhism anything mm -hmm. that is kind of inspirational in any way that I find so those things mixed and match sometimes mm -hmm. it's also journaling and I don't, I realized for me personally, if it's really, really black and white set in stone what the practice is, I, it, I won't do it. I will actually start resenting it and I will start uh, pushing myself and going into the moments of like, you're not good enough, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm enough of that. Seriously, mm -hmm. like years of that in life, I don't really need that crap right now. So I... I do whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I swim also. If I go to the pool or somewhere, I like I love to swim. But that's my thing. That's my sacred time. Yeah. And nobody else exists unless there's something that really has to happen at eight, yeah. eight thirty for work, but nothing else. Right. That's that's my thing. That resonates a lot. I um, yeah, it's it's similar for me. It's it's that window. It's like whatever, as you just said, whatever works for people. Like we're. We're so different, you know, as women, we're different in the different phases of the month and the different phases mm -hmm. of our life. And so um, I, I, that resonates a lot in terms of my own practice. I cannot push and do the same thing every day. It, it just, mm -hmm. just from an energy standpoint, doesn't work. No. Um, but yeah, that, that window and what, however much it is, you know, like some people are parents and have all kinds of things going on, but finding a window that we can yeah. reserve and maybe if it does take away a little bit from our sleep, sometimes it just has to be sleeping, but often, exactly. Yeah. But unless you create that time, mm -hmm. it won't happen to you, mm -hmm. particularly if you mm -hmm. have partners and dogs and babies mm -hmm. and, and full house and it won't happen mm -hmm. unless you decide when that is, you know. Yeah. And I know people always ask, well, when should I do it? There, there's no answer to that. Mm -hmm. You should do it when it's most realistic. You will do it regularly. Yeah. If that is early morning for you, then that's the sacred time. For some people, it's evening. For me, in the evening, I could read something. I could do yoga nidra sometimes. I could... Uh, listen to some podcast that is you know some some practices like that but that's not practices mostly it's, it's just kind of calming down and grounding rather than doing practices in the evening that will raise my energy because yeah. that's the thing if i go to bed at 10 mm -hmm. i can't do yoga class at 9 p.m and right. i won't do it right me personally yeah. so so to really yeah. find what works for the system and um what i find as well if i create that window my body speaks to me more and more what it's craving because if, if I don't create the window, it's like, oh, I don't need it today. And that is not what my body's craving. It's kind of what, what my mind is like, nah, I'm just going to like, you know, do something else, whatever, jump into work. But if the window is created and I, and I know I will do something in that window mm -hmm. there a couple of weeks ago, I was so exhausted because I did push myself quite hard. And so in that window, I would do like one downward dog and, I, and then I'd end up on my belly and lie there for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it happened like days in a row. There were like 15 minutes later, I was just breathing into my belly. I'm like, oh my God, I've just laid on my mat. But still, it was time for myself. So for some people, it, it might become that. But I've really noticed with a daily 
practice and with practice mm-hmm. really just meaning that window my body and my, my mind my whole system is learning to speak to me more and more of what is needed exactly today yeah. whether that is like going for a run or dancing wildly or yeah. doing a very gentle yoga practice or journaling or yes and lying that's flat on yeah. the mat <laughs> that's how habit develops mm-hmm. unless you have that window mm-hmm. and you're like i'll just play by ear tomorrow and the day after mm-hmm. no it's a matter of days when you're going to stop mm-hmm. doing it mm-hmm. and it just doesn't make sense yeah. and so and often like you mentioned that's a great point you know you want it to be a certain way how can it be a certain way you wake up every day and you might feel completely different mind is one state body is another state one mind needs maybe mantra because it's like so anxious and then the body is so dead it needs some kind of movement or maybe you don't have energy whatever it is just show up just show up yeah. don't waste that window show up even mm-hmm. if you're like sluggish and you mm-hmm. just would not be there yeah. Um, yeah instead of wanting it to be perfect and then expecting that you're gonna do it only on the days when it can be perfect yeah yeah especially like it, it just makes me think I just remembered a meme <laughs> that I think a couple made about about COVID of you know these ambitious ideas we had when all this started of like oh my god my house is gonna look amazing and I'm gonna be so fit and I'm gonna like have lunch and online course and, mm-hmm. da, 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 and all these ideas and I've, I've found that in the beginning of this year my practice dipped I was I was like you know there was the anxiety and there were the spiraling thoughts and it actually took quite a bit of time even though I was at home every single day it took me quite some time to then be like and I will allocate an hour whatever works with it an hour for me that was it to being in that corner of my room without devices without any distractions and to see what comes up and um yeah I feel that that is just another thing to add to the list for people you know to right. to really and that does take discipline it's always that dance of how much do we push and how much do we surrender mm-hmm. and I find that the the pushing the discipline of putting something in the calendar and really having it in there it, it doesn't just happen like you mm-hmm. know we're we're in december now and it just the year mm-hmm. just slipped by and for a lot of people their houses are like perfectly like clean and everything you know all these ideas that we had in the beginning and um, bottom line you know through compassionate inquiry through our program mm-hmm. do if you really don't think that you are that important to designate time for yourself mm-hmm. you won't do it mm-hmm. and the question always for me is back why are you not deserving of that mm-hmm. why is it that everybody else is more important why is it that the busyness mm-hmm. of your calendar is more important why mm-hmm. why are you you know from from in my eyes and that's what I also see in the in therapy work no matter if people are with addiction or anxiety or burnout or depression you know if I don't love myself if I don't have self-compassion to myself I probably won't feel deserving that I need any help and that I deserve any kind of healing and any kind of change yeah. and that goes from the point of you asking for help and going to therapy or talking to friends or creating an hour or two in a day that is mm-hmm. actually for you mm-hmm. yeah that is that is such a good point and you know to to acknowledge the parts of us that 
um, you know, that are reaching out, that, that are looking up things that are, that are, even if they're just trying to put it in the calendar, that are taking time to like listen to, to conversations like this of like, there is a part in us that, um, that does dearly love us and it does reach out and that does, you know, as you mentioned, reach a point where you're like, no, not anymore. And so September 5th, this is the day that I'm doing this. There is a, a part that, that, has our back and yeah. yeah to be in dialogue with that part of ourselves mm. Mm, thank you so <laughs> so much thank truly you. inspiring is there anything else you feel you want to share with people right now a little something you want to send <sighs> hmm. you know i was listening to podcast recently from a, from a guy who's in recovery and also mindfulness coach his name is Vinny Ferraro and I really really like him um, and he was he was saying something uh, along the lines that uh, you know we're waiting for these perfect moments and these perfect circumstances to be happy and God knows how many of real moments of happiness we might have lost while waiting for the perfect one mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um, and he also mentioned something along the lines of um, when we feel, you know, when there's fear and then anxiety and, and disease and uh, this, uh, you know, uh, not being comfortable and, and all of that. There is, those are not, as he says, the only guests at the party. There's always something else present. Always. And as difficult as it is to find those moments, and I'm not talking about, you know, stand in front of the mirror and do a positive affirmations to you, or, you know, you don't even have to do gratitude lists if that's something you've tried in your past. But the, the negative, the unpleasant emotions are not the only ones here. And if they're, if they're here right now, this moment, they might not be here two minutes from now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and, but that's to be aware of all of this is why we need to get a little bit more quiet mm -hmm. and just to allow a little bit more contact with ourselves instead of constantly running towards something that's more pleasant. Mm -hmm. mm. And maybe that... Yeah, nice. Maybe that is just something Just in time a, for, you know, the season where it's, mm. we're naturally meant to slow down. And, you know, in a lot of countries that is often has gone away from that with all the consumerism and so this year it's almost an opportunity to be like okay since a lot of these things can't happen mm -hmm. how can we welcome more peace inside and how can we um, yeah give these little gifts to ourselves and yeah. to the beings around us yeah beautiful mm -hmm. thank you thank so you for much having me. yeah <laughs> mm -hmm.